This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop. I couldn't hear myself well, and I'm like, you know what? I think the headphones aren't loud enough, and that was the point. I, or that was the case, I should say. Headphones weren't loud enough, so they are nice and loud now. We're ready to kind of talk. We got NFL Draft today. We're going to have Matthew on, one of our patrons, who's going to talk NBA Draft with us, and then we're closing the show. I feel like we haven't talked about this in forever, but we're actually going to talk about some college football today and not look at draft, 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 draft for our final Final segment, But before we get into everything that we're going to talk about, a little housekeeping here at the beginning. Number one, if you want to be like Matthew, be on a podcast, or you just want to support Most Valuable Podcast, check out patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast, that link down below in the description. You can also grab an MVP t-shirt, that store link also down below in the description as well. MostValuablePodcast.com, NFL Draft Fans, I came out. With a seven-round mock draft, we are getting closer and closer to it. Let me know what you guys think about who I have your team taking. That link is also down below in the description. And last but not least, if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, go give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. But Brandon, talking about quarterbacks in the draft, talking about the NBA draft process, talking about Tennessee football to round out the show. But let's start the show with some NFL draft. Like I said, talking quarterbacks and the big thing coming into Thursday like I told Sean yesterday on our basically NFL draft special I'll say five topics that Sean and I did yesterday I told him that the thing I hate about this week is things will come out and you don't know if it's real or if it's just a smoke screen like the Buffalo Bills going ah we're not going to trade for two are you not going to trade for two or are you just saying that so someone else doesn't try to or does try to trade for two so that you can trade for something else and take a guy that you really like. Also, I was listening to the herd today and Jay Glazer was on and he was saying how the process works basically is teams will put their draft boards together Sunday. Then yesterday and today they'll argue with each other who they like better. And basically they'll do that all the way until the draft starts on Thursday night of who they like better and kind of fight with themselves to who they should put at the top. But we know already someone's going number one quarterback. A quarterback could be going number two, probably will be going number three. What are you thinking coming into this draft about the quarterbacks and kind of about how many we could see go on the first night of the NFL draft? Well, as we all know, everyone and anyone who's been covering and following all of the all, all the coverage for probably what, it, what seems now the last six months mm-hmm. to a a full year of uh, these of these quarterbacks and and their progression and, and where they've been and where we expect them to be uh, there's a plethora of quarterbacks i mean this is a you, we every year it seems like there is a heavy something mm-hmm. you know is it a heavy running back uh, draft class is it a really good elite wide receiver draft class is it a really good quarterback heavy uh, an elite draft class well this year 
we've got a quarterback heavy draft class. We were and, even saying that last year. We're like, oh, I don't, you don't need a guy here. You'll get them next year. We got five of them that can go for sure. And, and I think though, too, even after we look last week, I mean, we talked about Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. We have talked about him at the at the top, but I think we also had a pretty good discussion about some other guys that are underneath him. Probably three, four, maybe even five guys that someone could say, hey. I'm going to take him. This is going to be quality running back. Mm-hmm. So uh, you could even still say it th- there that there are some other good quality running backs. I think at wide receiver, that's probably the the lightest um, in terms of this year's draft class. But going back to the quarterbacks, when I look at it, I see five quarterbacks that I could see going in this first round. Mm-hmm. And those quarterbacks are Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Lamar Jackson. And I see all of them going. Honestly, the first four, probably within the first 12 picks. Maybe even the top 10. Possibly. Possibly. And Lamar Jackson, for some reason, unless they shake it up, which actually all the signs and people around the league are saying they will, Mm -hmm. the New England Patriots, I could see the New England Patriots, as I've said, now for a while, not like, oh gosh, I'm I'm right. I'm the only one who's ever said it, but I've believed that the New England Patriots would be a good fit with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson would be a good fit with them. It would it be different than what they've had in Tom Brady? Absolutely it would be different. But would it be, I think, a fun new project for Bill Belichick? Yeah, it absolutely would be. But with the New England Patriots kind of and I don't want to get too much into um onside kick territory mm-hmm. but with the new england patriots a lot go of, ahead the, the onside kick we don't have one until after the first round well a lot of people <laughs> go uh, right you, ahead. you know with tom brady seemingly being iffy uh supposedly on coming back but then his agent saying yes he is going to play and mm-hmm. then gronk being you know a guy who's kind of iffy and then someone asking him just the other day if he was going to be attending the um off-season workouts and he said no I've got uh, some some motorbiking to do or motorsport to do, whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, yeah, that doesn't usually fly too well with Bill Belichick. And they've also talked about do the New England Patriots say, okay, Gronk, you come back. Okay, we're all good. Okay, Gronk, we're trading you and possibly something else to get even higher into mm-hmm. the draft to whether it's take Lamar Jackson with a big shock that high mm-hmm. or if it's to take somebody else, one of those other quarterbacks, because the New England Patriots, people can call them a lot of different words, but one is not dumb. No. They know exactly what they're doing. They and the know Patriots ex- and they know exactly who they up. want. They know exactly who mm-hmm. they want. So I'm very intrigued by what they could do. I'm very intrigued on you know who's gonna be this year's Who's going to be this year's Bears? Now, I know the Bears only traded up mm-hmm. one spot, but they traded a whole lot to go get Mitchell Trubisky right, last year. Right now, it's the Jets, but how much they gave up already just to move from six to three to get their guy because they're going to go quarterback. Yeah. I, so I, I think that, you know, it, this is going to be a very, mm-hmm. very fun and exciting first round. But I do think, and I would be shocked if not every single one of those quarterbacks, those five that I named, don't mm-hmm. go. We're going to play a game, and the reason why we're going to play this game is because you mentioned Lamar Jackson. And as this topic is coming out, the reason why we're doing this is we did this on the onside kick. Thanks to Sean for the graphic you're going to see and the stats. If you check your email, Brandon, I actually emailed it to you so you can look at it while I kind of read these off and you don't have to remember all the numbers. So 
We were talking about Lamar Jackson on the onside kick, and Sean put up this graphic. There's four players. I am going to read them off for everyone. I voted, I voted on this. Did you? I did. Great, because I want to know. I'm going to ask you the same questions that Sean asked me, and then I will basically reveal who they are, and you're going to be pretty shocked with this. I'm sure so I will be. I'm going to put the graphic up for you guys on YouTube, but for you guys listening on podcast services around the world, player one. Has an, and these are all junior year stats of college. So player one had 298 attempts in that season, a completion percentage of 64.4, a touchdown to INT of 30 touchdowns to four interceptions, 673 rushing yards. Player two, 396 attempts. He had 61.6 was his completion percentage, 27 touchdowns, 11 INTs, 986 rushing yards. Player three, 430 attempts, 59.1 completion percentage, 27 touchdowns, 10 INTs, 1,600 yards. He had 1,601 was his exact total. And then player four, 527 attempts, 58.4 completion percentage, 28 touchdowns to 14 INTs, 435 rushing yards. The first question I'm going to ask you, Brandon, is what Sean asked me. Rank them from number one being the guy you would like. Like, out of these four, that's the guy I'm picking all the way through where one's the best, four's the lowest. How would you rank them in what order? Well, when I when I voted on Twitter for this, um, I, I voted... Uh, fairly quickly, overwhelmingly, I voted with player one. Okay. Um, I picked player one also. And I did that because I like the completion percentage. I like the touchdown to interception ratio. Mm-hmm. The attempts, though, I look at that and I think, okay, you're not throwing the ball all that much when you compare it to everybody else. But is it because you, you, you're not having to force it? You have a good running game? What all that kind of stuff. Are you so, in? Exactly. So now thinking about it, I'm thinking about all these, all these things. Mm-hmm. So I'd either go player one or player two at number one. Okay, so I'm, player one at one, player two to at be, two. To be honest with yeah. you, I'm going to go player one as my first, mm-hmm. player two is my second, okay. player three is my third, player four is my fourth. Okay. I am going to reveal them to you. The first one I'm going to start with is your last guy, player four. Okay. There's three of these guys are in the NFL now. One of them is in the draft this year. This guy is in the NFL now. Who do you think it is? Player four? Yes. He played for, I'll give you a hint. He plays in the NFC West. Russell Wilson. Okay. Russell Wilson well, that's, is player four. That's surprising to me, though, with only 435 rushing yards. His junior year, though. He, he also played at two schools. He played at Wisconsin and NC State. Um, player three is in the draft this year. Who do you think it is? He's in the draft this year. This one was easy. I picked this one out like like that. Out of all the quarterbacks, who's got the most rushing Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. So player three is Lamar Jackson. Player four is in the or player two is in the NFL, plays in the NFC East. Um I'm trying to think of uh, 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 Dak Prescott. It is Dak Prescott. And then player one, the guy that you picked, the guy that I picked, same reasoning, too. 
I was like, oh, it, like the system, he probably didn't like throw that much. I like the high completion percentage. I love the touchdown to interception ratio. He's playing baseball. He's a baseball player right now. Who is that? Played for the Denver Broncos, won one playoff game. Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow. That is Tim Tebow's stats from his junior year of of, uh, college. I found this very interesting when Sean revealed it to me, is that it's like I picked Tim Tebow because of the stats, but would he be the quarterback that I would want? Looking in hindsight, probably not. But also with him, it was a whole situation of Denver basically ruined him too and didn't teach him how to throw the football. The thing about this was like Lamar Jackson of what is he going to be at the NFL level. And the thing I love about him is that he comes from a pro-style offense. Pro-style offense in college plays with a pro-style coach. Bobby Petrino is a pro-style guy. For me... I think that these quarterbacks, I'm talking about the ones in this draft now, not from our little experiment. I think if I had to guess of how they're going to fall, Darnold or Allen, Darnold and Allen are going to be one, two interchangeably. One's going to go one, the other one will go two. Then I think Baker Mayfield will be the third quarterback off the board. Then it becomes tricky to me. The only way I see Josh, like Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson, Whoever goes four, a team's going to trade up to get them. So for me, as if a, if a team trades up to get him, it'll be Josh Rosen who goes first. Otherwise, I could see Lamar Jackson going first. But I'll say Rosen goes four, Lamar Jackson goes five, and then my question for who finishes out the first round is Mason Rudolph. He's the question mark because does a Saints team at the end of the first round – Sean Payton was on the Dan Patrick show this week, said last year they were going to take Patrick Mahomes, didn't get to because the Chiefs took him. Are the Saints, is a different team like the Chargers, who Mark and I two weeks ago kind of discussed how they're thinking about taking a quarterback in the second round. They like Mason Rudolph. However, they're a team that has the capital that they can say, screw it. We're going to trade up with one of those teams later on to just grab Mason Rudolph and get our guy. That's the question for me when it comes to how many quarterbacks get drafted. Five are getting drafted for me in the first round for sure. That six is will somebody, and I'll ask you, will somebody trade back into the first round to grab Mason Rudolph? Well, you know, someone who certainly wouldn't trade back into the first round would be the Chiefs. Like mm-hmm. the Chiefs, I don't see the Chiefs trading back. They into don't the even first have round. a first they round pick. They don't. They don't need. They don't need a quarterback because mm-hmm. they've got their guy. Yep. I. I don't necessarily see them giving up anything to get back into the first round because mm-hmm. they don't need a quarterback. They don't need a running back. They really don't need a wide receiver. Um, you know, I. I guess I don't know if there's anything first round worthy that they would do. So look, like specifically looking at a team like that, I. I don't mm-hmm. see them. You know, trying to uh, bounce back into the first round. Now, it's going to be interesting when we're going through the draft and what teams that are in the first round may be trading up to try and get higher to take a guy that you're like, oh, didn't know they were looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or to try and see if they could, I don't want to say try and pull a fast one on any teams, but try and get them, you know, give a team a great package for that team and then slide in there and take the take the player. And then we're, we're you know, we're sitting here surprised going, 
The New York Giants didn't take anybody there at number two. They traded it away, and you're you're just kind of befuddled. But well, Gettleman there, I think he's the owner. I apparently earlier this week, and yet again, could be a smokescreen. I don't know what they're thinking. He apparently said that there's no way he passes on Barkley at two. So if the Browns don't go Barkley, he's basically saying Saquon Barkley's our pick at two to help out Eli Manning. Now, will that be true? We'll have to wait until Thursday to find out. Yeah, we absolutely will. I, I, I think, again, I don't know. I don't know if we necessarily will see anyone getting back into the first, getting back into the first round mm-hmm. who does not have the, that first round um, pick to try and take anybody here. But I could see some teams within that first round trying to, jump over some other teams, make sure that, like, if they want someone so badly, mm-hmm. jumping and making sure that they go and they get them. But, of course, if you're trying to go into the top in the first five picks, you better be offering some some package that's really, really good, either in terms of draft picks or in terms of player draft mm-hmm. picks or just player or something like that. Like a like a, like I mentioned earlier, like a, a Rob Gronkowski type of deal where Rob Gronkowski alone could be enough to for for whatever team could be enough to to uh, uh, be sweet enough for that deal and and get into the uh, or higher in the first round. Which I know someone's probably already said it in the comment section. Last thing we've heard with Gronkowski, him and an, him and his agent met today with Belichick, apparently to tell him we, I'm playing this season, but anything could happen. Anything can happen with that team. Someone could decide, well, we're gonna push this trade, and he can be traded. Anything is nothing is a for sure thing when it comes to the NFL. The thing that I think about, there's two teams that I could see trading back into the first round for a quarterback specifically. Either the Denver Broncos or the Chargers. The only two I can think of. Patriots want to back up because they traded both of theirs. However, I don't see them trading into the first round to get it. They'll wait until the second or third if they don't get Lamar Jackson in the first or they don't trade up in the first to get their guy because that's a thing that they could do. Also, that's an option. That's the word I was looking for. Other than that, there's not many teams. Like, the Dolphins could go quarterback, but unless, like, a Rosen falls to them at 11, I don't see them trading up. At that point, they'll just say, screw it. We'll stick with Tannehill and kind of figure out the successor problem after this year or in later rounds if they find the right guy. The thing that I'm thinking about and kind of like my situation is the two teams I mentioned, Broncos and Chargers. I only see the Broncos trading into the first round for that quarterback if they trade the number five pick. Sean and I talked about should they trade that pick? Elway has said, you know what, we're open to trading the fifth pick, basically telling teams like Buffalo, hey, you can pick up that phone. We'll listen. We'll listen to that offer real good. If they trade that first-round pick, I could see them either, if it's to a Buffalo, taking a Mason Rudolph at 22 or saying, hey, we didn't get both first. We only got the twelve. But we got some back-end capital later in this draft. Let's use some of those picks that we just got to move back into the first round to get two first-rounders and get our quarterback. The only way I see the Chargers doing that is if they're sitting there going, all right, we like Mason Rudolph. The Broncos kept their pick, didn't go quarterback. They went with something else. Do we sit here and wait for tomorrow to see what the Broncos do? Or do we say, fuck it? 
let's trade some of our picks to a team like Minnesota who could trade back and go and grab our guy before the Broncos even have a chance tomorrow on Friday. Well, a team like the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, they're they're a team they're in they're in dire dire need of a quarterback. AJ, AJ McCarron ain't nothing special. They're, yeah, and we certainly know who's behind him. Um, yeah, and, five pick Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> that five, is his nickname, PP. isn't it? Five PP. I just I don't even know. I just came up with it off the noggin. You know, I like that. Five PP. I like that. Um, yeah, they're hurting. They're hurting. I mean, they're hurting worse than Denver's hurting, and Denver's mm-hmm. hurting. So uh, they're in better shape. At least they got Case Keenum. No, well, after Case Keenum, yes, though, they got packs of lunch. So, <laughs> so my whole thing is that Denver would be the likely option. Mm-hmm. Of a team to try and trade with, a team to try and coax. Like you're not going to coax the Cleveland Browns to no. to give up a, a draft pick in the first round. Yeah, no, Cle- they're set. Cleveland is set. Not really, but they are because they not. I don't think they're sold yet on who they're going to take at number one. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think it's down to what it's 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 it, down to Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, um, or Saquon Barkley. Or, well, the thing... Or Christ, any one of them. The thing I heard yesterday that Sean and I talked about was that it was between, like, Todd McShay had in his thing, he's hearing it's either they're 50-50 on Darnold and Allen. That's the two they're thinking about. Then today there's an article on ESPN. Well, Baker Mayfield could be the first pick. Like, Jay Glazer in that interview, I said on The Herd, when The Herd's like, well, they really go Baker? He goes... They're probably talking about it. They probably don't know who the hell they want to take well, see, right now. And see, that's they're the thing. To, they're that's trying the to thing. argue with each other about who they want, and they're gonna. He's like, they're gonna overanalyze. Like it's they're gonna, like they're gonna overanalyze. Well, they're gonna overanalyze, and the Cleveland Browns more so are gonna overanalyze because mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna say, guys, let's let's really sit down, look at this. Mm-hmm. Who can we pick that won't get us fired within the year? True. <laughs> True. I mean, we don't want to get chutted. We, we would like to keep our jobs mm-hmm. for at least five seasons. I mean, hey, Hugh Jackson, only uh, one win in two years. I mean, I think his job's pretty safe. I think it's pretty safe if you haven't gotten fired at this point. But but at this point for Cleveland, I mean, more so than probably any mm-hmm. other team, because not only do you have the first pick in the draft, you have the, you fourth. Have the fourth pick in the draft. You have two premier picks mm-hmm. within the in the top five, and they've got and, five in and, the first two rounds. And you have got to, you have got to be so strategic. You mm-hmm. have got to do as much homework as you possibly can to make sure that those picks are the right ones. Yep. Which, as hard as that is to say, you've got to be able to do it. Yeah, they've got two picks in the top five, five picks in the top sixty-four. That's a lot of picks to have. And the thing, before we move on into the thing I want to do to end this segment, I want to ask you, give me your prediction of, you don't have to tell me where they go, but tell me who you think, look into your crystal ball for Thursday, what order are these quarterbacks going to get drafted and how many will go? You can tell me who they go to, or you can just say, screw it, I'll just tell you what order they get drafted in. Okay. Just the quarterbacks. Uh, So Josh Allen. Will be the first quarterback. Will be off the, the first board. quarterback. He'll go to the Browns. Okay. Baker Mayfield will be the second quarterback. He'll go to the Jets. Okay. Um, and then I think that we're going to see Sam Darnold as the third quarterback. He's going to go to the Bills. Okay. Who traded with the Broncos? Okay. Um, to to get him. Uh, that's third, right? Then yep. the fourth quarterback, Rosen or Lamar. Uh, the fourth quarterback. I think Josh Rosen's going to go to the Dolphins. Okay. 
Um, and then Lamar Jackson, fifth one, he's going to go to the Patriots. Really? So I've got two questions for you before we close this and go on into kind of like the the tail end to this first topic. Why would the Cardinals pass on Lamar Jackson? That's the big question I have is because you've got between the Dolphins and the Patriots that Cardinal pick at 15. That's the one where if that because, happened, I'd be like, be, whoa, that's because, a shocker. Because if the other guys, if Allen through Darnold are mm-hmm. already gone, I think the Cardinals would go for more like a Mason Rudolph okay. than a Lamar Jackson. Plus they got Sam Bradford and the Ginger Giraffe, so they're fine. They got Mike <laughs> Glenn and Sam Bradford. They got the NFC North trash. They don't need to get anything else. So my whole thing is that with the Cardinals, I don't know if I can if I could see like Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. fitting their system. I feel like they need more of a more of a Mason Rudolph type. Whereas the um, the the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. I think that they would be happy to have Lamar Jackson and be able to bring him in and use. I just I feel like at that point the mm-hmm. the Cardinals would be looking more for a a guy who's not necessarily going to be like I don't want to say that Lamar Jackson will be a run first guy because that's not fair but they want someone more like the Josh Allen or a, a Sam Darnold or something like that and when they don't get him they'll go for Mason Rudolph over Lamar Jackson so before I give mine want to kick it off to you guys let us know who you guys think are going to go in the list of quarterbacks who goes first second third how many first round quarterbacks do you think will be taken But before we end this segment, what I want to do, and on YouTube, this is a totally different video because obviously anything with mock draft in the title gets a little bit more views, so that's what I'm going for here. But I am basically going to be Colin Cowherd right now, and I got a special announcement, my 6.0 mock draft, my final mock draft doing trades because I'm the only guy doing trades out there. I'm not, but I say that because that's what Colin Cowherd says, (laughs) that he's the only guy that puts trades into his mock draft. That's so not true. What I am going to do is I am going to put the graphic up there. We're kind of going to react to some s- surprising things. Before I get into it, I have to give this disclaimer. If you look at my seven-round mock draft, you go, Ricky, this order is different, explaining the two. The seven-round mock draft was myself as the GM. I am the GM of each team. What am I doing? This one is what I think will happen on Thursday. This is more prediction. My seven-round mock draft is what I would do as the GM. So this is how they're a little different and why the orders are different. But starting off at number one, I think the Browns are going to go with Josh Allen. They will stick with their gun, say that's the guy we wanted all the way through. That's the one we're going to take. Then the Giants at number two. Gettleman said they're going to go Saquon Barkley. They will go Saquon Barkley. They're not going to piss off the Royal Manning family. They're not going to piss Eli off. They'll go with Barkley. Then the Jets. This was a tough one for me. They like Baker Mayfield, but I think they're saying that because they're trying to prep themselves for Allen and Darnold not being there. Darnold being available, they got to go with Darnold. He's the better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, and that's no slight at Baker. I just like Darnold more. So I got the Jets going with Sam Darnold. Then the Browns. Baker's off the board. They're going to go BPA, best player available, get someone to match up with Miles Garrett. They will go Bradley Chubb. Then the Broncos, the last team in the top five. They go Quentin Nelson. They will keep the pick. They will not trade it. Then at six, I've got to trade Brandon. The Buffalo Bills pick up the phone 
and call the Indianapolis Colts. They work out a deal. Don't know exactly what they get, but basically in the first round, they're going to give up the 12 and the 22nd to move up to the sixth pick, and they will take Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield will be a Buffalo Bill. I feel really sorry for him. Because <laughs> he's got to go to Buffalo. Yes. But the Bills take Baker Mayfield. The Bucks then take Denzel Ward. The Bears kind of have some trade talks with the Cardinals. Nothing gets done. They'll go with Minka Fitzpatrick. Then number nine, ring, ring, we've got another trade in the top ten. The Cardinals moving up from 15. They are going to swap picks and send some more over to John Lynch in San Francisco. And at number nine, the Cardinals will go with Josh Rosen out of UCLA, trading up into the top ten to grab the guy who many say is the most pro-ready quarterback. However, he has those, I'm going to say, off-the-field issues with everything that came out via Jim Mora. Then at number 10, Raiders still going Roquan Smith. You've got the Dolphins now. They'll go at Josh Jackson, cornerback from Iowa. Then the first Colt pick rolls around. They don't get Bradley Chubb, boo-hoo, but they will get a really good pass rusher. And Marcus Davenport, the defensive end out of uh, UTSA, then the Redskins, they're going to go safety. Derwin James is now a Washington Redskin. I kind of feel sorry for him. Then the Packers, they're going to go Tremaine Edmonds, the biggest faller from my two quarterback trades. So because two teams moved up, somebody had to fall. Marcus Davenport is the better pass rusher for me. And the thing with Tremaine Edmonds is will his age, being 19 years old, make him fall a little bit. But the Packers will take him with open arms. Then at number 15, the 49ers, because they traded with the Cardinals, will take Rashawn Evans because Reuben Foster's probably going to get cut. Let's be honest. He's probably going to get cut from the 49ers. They're going to need a new inside linebacker. Then the Ravens go Colton Miller, offensive line to help out Joe Flacco. Chargers will go Vita Vea, defensive tackle from Washington. Seahawks go pass rusher, Harold Landry. Cowboys go Cortland Sutton, wide receiver. Leighton Vanderash, linebacker, goes to the Lions. Bengals then take Jair Alexander, the cornerback from Louisville. Then with the second pick that the Colts got in that trade, they will take Mike McGlinchey, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, kind of help Andrew Luck out. We'll see if he's throwing a real football by then. Then we have our ring ring fifth quarterback off the board, Lamar Jackson Falls. Goes to number 23, right to where you wanted him to go. New England Patriots and number 23 get their guy. Then the Panthers go Calvin Ridley. The Titans go Deron Payne. Falcons go friend of the show Mo Hurst, defensive lineman from Michigan. The Saints, they'll go with Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State. The Steelers go Justin Reed, safety from Stanford. Jaguars go DJ Moore, wide receiver from Maryland. Ring, ring, we have our third and final trade of the first round. The Chargers move into the first round, trading with the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings at this point thinking, you know what? We really need an offensive tackle. But looking at Martinez Rankin and Orlando Brown, could do we really want to use the pick on one of them, or could we get one of these other teams to give us some more capital, and we can address that later in the draft with some more needs. So they will... Get some more picks later in the draft. 
they will give their first rounder to the Chargers. And the Chargers, jumping ahead of the Broncos because they don't want him to take them, will take Mason Rudolph, the sixth quarterback of the first round. Patriots then go Connor Williams out of Texas, and the Eagles rounded out Orlando Brown, offensive tackle from the Eagles. And this is my final 6.0, my final mock draft with trades. Don't forget with trades for the NFL draft. What are you thinking, Brandon? After it's all said and done, it's all out there. Well, I'm thinking after it's all said and done, again, I even though I said it in our in our quarterback segment mm-hmm. that that I think, you know, Josh Allen will be the first one to go to the Browns. I, I still don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen. I it's want, like I said yesterday, they should go with Darnold. Uh, they will go with Allen. No, they should go with Saquon. They will go with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you know, it is what it is. But I, I again, I've I've held to that thought for a long time. Some mm-hmm. people uh, in Cleveland would be like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right," and then a lot of other people would be like, "No, we need a quarterback." But um, I I am interested in and now this isn't um much, but there's really after Saquon, mm-hmm. I didn't hear you say. Any other running back? Nope. I got all the running backs, suck it and beyond. And I'm I'm interested in that. Like I was the waiting, li- I was Lions waiting for you to say it for the Lions. The I was Lions waiting for you to say Darius Geis with the Lions, See, especially especially because when we've talked mm-hmm. running backs, we've talked about how some, you know, it's Saquon Barkley, yes, over here, but then with still good talent is like Darius Geis and you know some other guys, you know, Sony Michelle stuff like that. But so many. Offensive tackles, I feel like so mm-hmm. many defensive guys. There were no you. You had no space for another running back in here's, the first round. Here's the thing, and this is the tricky thing about the running backs: is if I'm the Lions, do I waste that first round? And waste is kind of a negative word to use, but I'm going to use it. Do you waste that twentieth pick to take a stab on that running back? Yes. When for me, the running backs are kind of. Similar to the quarterbacks. When we did the live mock draft where a bunch of us got different teams and we kind of put on our GM hats for that, like the Browns with the quarterback, I did what you said they should do. I went Saquon number one because when Sean was like, why are you not going quarterback? You need a quarterback. I sat there and said, you guys decide who you want. I'll take whoever's left. I don't care. I love all that. Give me anyone in the top five. I love them. Like Josh Rosen, the only reason he's at four is because of the stuff that Jim Morris said. I'm not really on board with that. But if he's there and he's the one that's available, the best available, it's not like I'm going to say, oh, Josh Rosen, get away from me. No, get on my team because you're the mo- you're one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in this draft. Same thing with the running backs for me. Like, the Lions could take Jarius Geis, but also, and this is another thing with the draft, kind of pushing your luck. Could you get a, like, are you sold on, I need to take Darius Geis in the first round? Or, hey, in the third round, if I get a Nick Chubb, I really like Nick Chubb also, and I'm using a third rounder, and in this first round, I can get a guy like Leighton Vander Ash or like a wide receiver or something, that can help me out in a different area and get a guy I really like in the third. For the Detroit Lions, though, the way I look at it is what has been one of the things that has held Detroit back for a long time 
It's been the fact that they have no running game. They've mm-hmm. had no running game for too many years now. Um, and that's crazy to think because of what they had back in the day. But, uh, you know, they are, they're they bad. You know, that's that's what holds them back. If they could have a running back, to com- a mm-hmm. really solid running back to complement Matt Stafford and a pretty darn solid wide receiver core, they that could help put them over the hump. That could help put them over the hump in the mm-hmm. NFC North. It could help get them to the playoffs and then hopefully help them through the playoffs because I'm not saying that all they need is a running back and every problem is solved, but I think more so than defense because I felt like the Lions came along well this past year defensively. I thought their secondary was stronger. I think they had a better mm-hmm. pass rush. I I think, though, that without having a running back or a good running back that is going to be able to effectively run the ball, they, they've been going by this three-headed, four-headed committee. You have, you know... Five carries in the Washington, game. You have Zenner, eleven. Abdullah, I mean, th- that, that's how you could clear that all away mm-hmm. with one pick in the first round. And if they did that, I think that they would find themselves in a really good spot moving forward. Question though, yeah. and this is very um, the question I'm going to ask you is very what came first, the chicken or the egg type of a question. Is it running back that's the problem, or is it O-line that's the problem? That's the one thing that I've been seeing about the Lions is, yeah, the run game is terrible, but is it the running back's fault, or is it because they have no help on the offensive line? Kind of the same thing of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Do you fix the running backs, or do you fix the offensive line? I think when healthy, the Lions' offensive line has been fine, but they haven't been healthy. Mm -hmm. That's been the problem for them. But I do think, though, that having a running back that's going to consistently, again, be carrying the football and a guy who can, who's built to carry the football for an entire game instead of these guys who are, you know, they're like half a game type of guys. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll have like a great first half or no first half and a great second half, but you don't see that throughout. You don't see them consistent throughout the game really being able to hold up for an entire game, which is why they have four different running backs that they're toting out there throughout the game all the time. Mm -hmm. If they could have one guy right there, I'm I'm thinking if you go running back and you are able to get like a Darius Geis, as I've been saying, you're getting a a different version and a solid version of what Leonard Fournette is. Uh, And we saw what he did with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw how much better he made the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not saying that if if they get, get Geis... They're going to the playoffs and making a big run and possibly going to the Super well, Bowl yeah, I mean, in, in this first year. But pretty oh good too. my gosh, yes. But what I'm saying is that, that was he a three-year he, process. But he certainly helped. He certainly oh, helped yeah. their offense. So I think that if you you pair him, kind of hid some of the deficiencies of Blake Bortles. A yeah, bit. and I think that this would help mm-hmm. Matt Stafford. He so he doesn't feel as much on his shoulders. Like oh, I have to make another comeback because mm-hmm. we you know. Um, but uh, it's. It's just, to me, I thought that was interesting that only one running back was named in the entire first first round. Well, and also the thing about this that you got to remember is this one is what I think is going to happen. I just yeah. don't think the Lions are going to use that. Um, the interesting one is the Steelers could also do that because of the Le'Veon Bell situation. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I made that trade between the Niners and the Cardinals is because, like, the Niners, yeah, they could go and say, you know what, we're going to stay, we'll take a Tremaine Edmonds, we'll take a Josh Jackson, but if they can move back, get more picks, John Lynch did that last year 
when he traded with the Bears when he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to take Mitch Trubisky. And Mark kind of hates that I keep saying that the Bears got fleeced, but they did. Um, that's just what I feel because I, the Niners were not. I get the point of Mark says, if you like your guy, you got to move up and get him. I'm the kind of guy that sits there and says, if the team right above you is not going to take him, why are you moving up to take him? Just take him where you're at. But that's besides the point. So, I mean, them moving back, they can still get Rashawn Evans because we don't know what's going on with Reuben Foster. Like, no, we don't gosh. know what's going on with his situation. John Lynch yesterday came out and said, yeah, if he hit a woman, he's gone. Mm-hmm. If he hit a woman, he's cut. And that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Just saying, that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, tell Jerry Jones. Yeah, tell Jerry Jones that. But... This is my final mock draft before we get to Thursday. This is what I think will happen. My prediction for what will happen Thursday. So let me know what you guys think of the mock draft. Let me know what you guys think. You also got my answer, though, too. Six quarterbacks are going in this first round. Six. Mm -hmm. And the order of them will be Allen, Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson, Mason Rudolph will be at the end. So let us know what you think down below in the comments section. Let's move on, though, into our next segment and a special segment like it is each and every month here on the Primetime Podcast as we are joined by a patron and got to give the little plug for if you guys want to be a patron on our podcast each month, go check out the $10 tier, patreon.com backslash most valid podcast is in the description. But I got to welcome in Matthew, one of our loyal patrons. Matt, how you doing today? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? We doing well. are doing great. Just talked about quarterbacks for the NFL draft. Now we're diving into a little bit of the NBA draft. And the topic that Matt brought us today was basically the NBA draft is the current process or the current rules. Are they good for college players and for college teams? And a little bit for you guys, if you don't know the exact process, how it works for college players in the NBA draft is You can declare for the draft, and I believe if you do not sign an agent, you can go through the combine, you can go through the entire process, and then the deadline is June 11th at 5 p.m. Eastern. By that time, you have until you can say whether you want to come back to college. So anytime before that, you can say, you know what, it's not for me, I'm going to go back to college. However, I believe if you sign an agent, you're locked in and you're going to the NBA draft. So we're basically looking at that and whether it's good for players, good for teams. Matt, I'm going to let you start. You can talk. You can decide whether we look at players first, teams first. What do you think about this process? Is it good or bad for college players and teams? Yeah, so I I, I think there's a lot more good than there is bad. And the, the primary reason for that is, as you alluded to, you know, as an underclassman, I have the opportunity to not hire an agent, um, go, 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 you know, um, compete in front of these NBA scouts, get feedback directly from the people I'm trying to impress, um, and then, you know, decide whether that, that's the opportune time for me to leave and, and uh, go, go get drafted or alternatively, you know, prepare to set myself up better for the following year by taking their advice and um, taking it to heart and, and working on things. So I think for that reason, for the players anyway, it, it, it's a really good opportunity. It's a good opportunity for the players, yes. Um, I, I think it's, it's nice for them to be able to go and 
like you said, you know, they, they get a really good evaluation um, from, you know, scouts and, and teams and stuff like that on, on where they believe they're going to be and probably the things that uh, the reason why they're going to be there, you know, what, what kind of someone looks at them for. Here's your kind of your positives. Here's your negatives. Here's the things that we'd like to see improve from you. But uh, I don't necessarily feel like it helps the college all that much mm-hmm. um, because you are now acting as though, OK, you guys have split. You've 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 separated. You've declared for the draft. You're no longer and coming. You're back. no longer coming back, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But then you go and you're like, eh, I, you know, I'd like my draft stock to be higher. After you go through this whole process, the school thinks you're not coming back. You don't believe you're going to be coming back until you're going to be drafted twenty. Like I don't want to go twenty. I want to go twelve. I know I can go 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I can go 12. I'll go 12 next year. I'll go back to school and and I'll get it done um, in next season. We'll have a great season. I'll work really hard. I'll make sure that I shine and, and I'll be going 12. I don't like that. I don't like that uh, for, the, for the school side of things. Now you look at the NFL. You leave. You leave. Bye. You're gone. gone. You're gone. And uh, that's known. You're not going to be coming back. Mm -hmm. So a school can truly move on and go in a different direction. And that's how they can set up their their, uh, recruiting and everything like that. They're recruiting to fill your spot. Not to say that in the time that you leave – now jumping back to the NBA, you leave, you go, you know, and declare for the draft – and then within that time, it's not like they're going to just find your replacement right away. I get that. But they're, they've already started the process. They've started the process before you even left to declare for the draft because mm-hmm. you are in conversations that you most likely are going to be earlier in the season. So I think that that becomes a little bit of a headache or hassle or could become a bit of a headache or hassle for the team. It is a huge plus for the player. But again, I I almost feel like it should be kind of one set rule or one set guideline across the different sports that this is how it's got to be. You can't just jump ship, find out, eh, maybe next year's better, and then come back. Because if you can do it in one, why can't you do it in another? That would be my question. Well, and the thing that I look at is... And this is kind of two things. First off is we've got an example of this, like Luke May, the junior from North Carolina. Today it was reported he's declared for the draft. However, right after it says won't hire an agent. So basically you can assume that Luke is going to go through everything. I'm going to predict it right now. He'll go through the entire process, probably not like where he's going to be drafted, and he'll be back at North Carolina next year. Just wants to go through the process, though, see where he is, what, what like like Matt said, play in front of NBA scouts. You never know if you're going to get a chance to wow someone just by playing in front of them. But the thing I also think about is all of these college teams, is it that big of a deal whether a guy like Luke May is on the fence about if he's going to go to the draft or come back because of this? Because most of the guys – in this one-and-done era of basketball, and we'll get to that a little bit later because I think that's part of the problem, is are they really that worried? Because, like, look at Duke. They've got three or four of the top five guys coming in. It's like, 
if some guy who played a minor role, and I know Luke May played a role in the tournament for them, if he comes back or not, it's not like it's going to, like, if Luke May leaves North Carolina, it's not like it's going to make or break their team. Plus, like, going over to Duke, they know, like, Marvin Bagley's not coming back. They know that Wendell Carter ain't coming back, that those guys are going to the draft. So, like, I look at it and I say, yeah, I don't like it because on the team side, there's a lot of uncertainty about whether or not this player is going to come back and if I need to find a replacement for him. But at the same time, I wonder if does it really matter because the guys that you really want, you're targeting and recruiting even before you get to this process. What are you thinking about this, Matt? I mean, as far as it relates to the teams, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, it's a little difficult then to, to know if the guy truly is kind of this, yeah, he probably could be drafted, but is it going to be high enough that he's going to go? So, I mean, I guess I'm going to point to Purdue, not that you guys want to hear it, but Carson Edwards. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Carson Edwards. So he kind of burst onto the scene in a big way, um, actually won the top shooting guard award in the nation and would probably be – you know, an All-American, first-team All-American to start next year if he comes back. But the question is, will he? And if he doesn't, it's a huge blow to Purdue. Um, he's kind of probably a guy I don't know, you know, enough about the NBA, but he's not first-round. There's questions about his size and um, decision-making still. But um, if one, you know, as I think one of you said, it only takes one team to tell you, hey, we'll draft you first round. You know, we, 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 we're buying into what you what you bring. Um so that, that can be difficult, a guy like that. Um, however, at the same time, I don't know that I mind it because if he does come back, he, he's, you know, he's been given all this feedback that's only, you know, hopefully going to improve his game if he's hearing it directly from the source. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd, like, you'd like to think that these kids would listen to their own coaches, right? They're probably telling them the same thing. However, I think it maybe lends itself to a little more credence when they hear um, the NBA guys telling it to him too. Well, and right now, just for a reference, I'm looking at tankathon.com because they do have a full two round mock draft. Vince Edwards, Purdue, is slotted 49th on their mock draft. So there's a total of 60 picks in the NBA draft. He's right now at 49 on their mock draft. Well, sorry, I was talking to the other Edwards guy. <laughs> oh, are you? Carson Edwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's not on the mock draft. Only Vince Edwards, or yeah, only Vince Edwards is. So Carson Edwards ain't even on that mock draft. I just saw Edwards, and I was like, that's who I thought Matt was talking about. But I mean, the thing with this too is like, I just pulled up an ESPN article where like the title of it is even like testing the waters. It's more complicated than it sounds because it's not just because I go through this process doesn't mean I'm going to wow a scout to where they're like, yeah, let's take them in the second round. And the thing that I think just getting out, because I mentioned it before, the thing I think that could put, not put this to bed, but will change this is if we get rid of, if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule, because it's not like it's a college rule, it's an NBA rule. But if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule, that will change this entire process because then we're not making guys go to college for a year that don't want to. We're not making it to where these guys have to, like I said, sign what colleges and the 
it's going to change recruiting for the coaches. Brandon, I'll ask you, do you think the one and done rule really does affect this as much as I think it is where if you get rid of the one and done rule, maybe then we don't need this process. And it could be, hey, if you come into the draft, you're in the draft, deal with it kind of a thing. Well, that's I, I think that that's where we could definitely be going. And again, you know, with the with the with with what we're talking about here tonight with this topic the one and done guys aren't the guys we're talking about. No, you know it's the, a second really, rounders. Yeah, really, for the most part, the mm-hmm. one through ten, the one through fifteen, most likely are kind of locked up. But then, if you look at like a Kyrie Thomas from Creighton, you know, junior, or if you look like look at um, <clears throat> a guy like um, even Gafford. Now, Gafford's not going, yeah. as we uh, we're well told. Um, you know, he's from, from Boise State, I, I believe. He's not he's not going to the draft. He, you know, there was he was thinking about it. He didn't end up going. But it's for those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for those guys to be able to go test the water, see where they're going to possibly be at. And then if they like where they're at, they go. But if you get rid of the one and done, which is, again, your, your top for the most, for a lot of them, your top 10, your top 12, um, you could do away with kind of that. The, this 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 whole thing you 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 go you have mm-hmm. to stay for two years and then okay now you can now you can go I, I think that we'd see a little bit less of this um you know go test it out come back you 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 did college you mm-hmm. did your college you did your two years you're done then you can go and you're gone I, I think that we'd see a little bit more of a a simpler a more a seamless type of process and I'm not saying that we are. I'm not saying that we're, you know, DeAndre Ayton's not going, mm, am I going to be two? Yeah. I really wanted to be one. You know, that that's not happening. It, it's more for, like we said, and I, I mentioned, guys later on in the draft. But if you do away with the one and done mm-hmm. and you say, okay, that's not going to happen. But you say that they're going to have to be in school for at least two years. They're set there. I, I don't see us having to have as uh, big of a discussion about this because we already know what's going to be happening. So then. what I have right now in front of me, and after I do this, I'm going to come right to you, Matt, so be ready for this. So I have the list of last year's early entries. So the guys that entered the NBA draft and then can pull their name out of it. Guys that I am looking at. So these are guys that were last year declared for the draft but then we saw again this year in college basketball. You have guys like Raleigh Atkins. We saw him this year. You saw guys like Joel Berry. He was in college this year. Guys like Javon Carter. There's also Hamadou Diallo. There's guys like Vince Edwards because he's in the draft this year. You've got guys like, I'm um, going down, um, Isaac Haas. We've got... Um, Justin Jackson from Maryland, although he didn't play this year because he got injured. But that right there is like six guys, and I'm not even halfway through the list of guys that even declared last year. Um, Mikhai Luke from Kansas was on this list. That's another one that we saw this year. Those are guys where it's like, all right, they declared last year. They went through this process, but we still saw them this year. Mo Wagner, who declared this year, he declared last year, did the same thing, exited early, and we saw him this year in college basketball. So, I mean, is it really is it really benefiting, I'll ask you, man, is it really benefiting anyone in the end that 
the one and doneers are declaring and going, is it truly benefiting these players? Like I'll say Mo Wagner declared last year, came back. Now he declared again. Is he going to just come back again? Like, is this truly in the end, like, oh, it's good for the players, but is it truly benefiting anyone in the end in your mind? I think it is situational. I mean, I think, I think if I saw it correctly, I think Wagner did actually hire an agent this time. So I think he is, but I think, I think his case, yes, it did help because look, kind of look, he was the the star of the team this year, right? He kind of, um, got all the attention associated with him in that championship run. He was the big horse, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas last year, he was kind of lost a little bit in the, um, why can't I think of their point guard? Um, You're talking last about year. last year? Yeah, Michigan's point guard. He was really like Walton. Walton yeah. Was, Walton I, I was and, like, uh, it wasn't Abdul Rahman because Abdul yeah. Rahman was back this year. Walton and then Wilson, they, they, they were kind of a, a bunch of studs on that team. And he kind of got lost in it, whereas this year he got to see the standout. So I think a guy like him, it did help. Um, a guy like Isaac Hosto, I don't know. I mean, I think part of that might just be that there's so many questions about him no matter what and where he fits in the NBA that I don't know that it does benefit him. Um, I guess one thing I wanted to throw into this real quick mm-hmm. is will this system get broken by guys that have no business declaring, declaring, and I bring this up because this actually happened. There's no way in hell you guys have heard of No Gel Eastern. No, no. you're right. Yeah, exactly. He's a Purdue <laughs> player that played about 10 minutes a game and was the backup point guard. And believe it or not, he declared for the draft last week or so. Okay. So everyone and their mother knows that there's no way he's going to be drafted. However, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I mean, what does he have to lose right now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he might not get a workout. He might not get that much attention. But at the very least, he's going to learn maybe a few things that he he otherwise wouldn't have known. And there's there's legitimately no no bad that comes from him. But I wonder if that starts to happen, starts to become a trend where these guys that have no business declare – at some point, does the system break and people are like, okay, we're, you know, we're, like you said, we're, we're getting rid of this. You're declaring without an agent. Either you are or you aren't and you're done. Well, that's, I think that's a great point to bring up because I feel like that's, like Ricky had mentioned earlier, you know, most likely your coaches are already telling you some of these mm-hmm. things or you would have liked to have thought that they would be listening to their coaches on that. But, you know, what, what's, is, is he going because he wants the NBA, you know, scout perspective of, okay, how can I be better? How can I not be the backup? How can I become the starter? And what, what is it that I'm going to have to do? Work with me, help mm-hmm. work with me. But, but really, how much can they do outside of saying, okay, this is what we see from you? I mean, they can't like be in his everyday you know, skills and drills and stuff like that. They can't do that. So what, what, all the, you know, what does he think he's going to find there that he truly has not found with his coaches or other I, I guess I want to say, you know, team this team is... officials and stuff like that. That would be that would be my biggest question. Like, you can't. It's not like they're going to be going through every mm-hmm. drill with you and saying, "Okay, this is how you're going to be the starter." That's not going to happen. This is what I think, and this is kind of a negative view of it. In this situation, me looking in, I would assume you know you're not going to get drafted. You know that whatever the scouts tell you isn't really going to help you. 
get into the draft, you're just going to be in the draft process. Just to say, I went through the NBA draft process. Because if it was me, like if I was on a college team and I could do it, why the why the hell not? Why not go through the NFL, like the NBA draft process just to say, hey, I was an NBA draftee. I didn't declare for the draft end because, you know, it just wasn't right for me. Like you could pull that card. But really, it sounds like to me in this case, it's just uh, I just want to see what the processes are like just to say, hey, I declared for the NBA draft and I went through that kind of a process. The thing that I think breaks all of this where Matthew brings up the players that have no reason being there is back to the one and done rule because Jalen Rose, when I was watching Get Up, he was saying a good point. And real, really, football is the only one I think doesn't associate to this because there is no way in my mind I would ever want a high school player going directly into the NFL. You'd die. You'd get killed, basically, with how violent that sport is and with how much your body matures in three years after high school. So that's the only sport where I'm like, I don't want to see this. But every other sport, hockey, which I know, Brandon, you don't like, but hockey, baseball, all of these, even golf, it's, do you have to go to college for three years? No. Look at baseball. You can go out of high school. So once you hit 18, you can declare for the draft. They have a similar system of after you get drafted, if I don't like my thing, I can go to college and then I have to stay the two or three years it is for the MLP. But I still get that 18 years old. I can come in and go through the draft process at 18 and then have this kind of choice that the NBA is doing. Golf, you can start even, there's amateurs and stuff that start before 18 in some of the pro-ams. Whereas hockey, it's also 18. If you're good enough, I think it was what, Patrick Kane was 18 when he was drafted by the Blackhawks. So it's like, why is the why is basketball the only sport? Because I'm pushing football out of the, out of the way, because in my mind, maybe you guys disagree with this. I don't want that to ever be a high school to NFL type of thing. But like with basketball, I think if we get rid of the one and done, we go more towards that. Once you're 18, you can go to the NBA draft or once you graduate high school, you can go to the NBA draft that it will get rid of this. And we won't it'll obviously get rid of the one and dones because they won't be there. But I think it also goes, all right, we don't need to have this process anymore because we don't have one and done and we're just a normal NBA draft kind of process. What are you thinking when I say that? What's your reaction to it? We'll go to Matt first. Yeah, I I guess the the more we talk about it, I think that that's probably going to be the way to go eventually. It just seems like the the right path i think like we said I, I don't think it's happened yet but i think we're maybe the current system is setting itself up for for failure or not failure but it's going to inconvenience someone um if it's not if it isn't already so yeah i i i think you're probably right in terms of where we might head in the future well and i just think like you mentioned the player from purdue that only did 10 minutes you're basically wasting the scouts time then because it's a guy who you know is not going to get drafted. Like, yeah, it's one of those things where you want to be a good person and it's like, oh, I want to help everyone who's there. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you know you're not going to be drafted. Why are you wasting my time? Why the hell are you wasting my time? But 
We'll go to Brandon first because we just went from Matt. Final thoughts on this. We'll go Brandon, then we'll go Matt, and then we'll close this thing up. Brandon, what's your final thoughts on this whole topic? Well, I think like uh, I have thought for a while with uh, NBA's you know one-and-done rule that it needs to go away. Um, and I think that it would be better for the college athletes, um, the teams uh, in general. Every, I, I feel like it would it would create a better system mm-hmm. um, than than what it is right now. I think that it would be uh, I, I feel like it would feel more comprehensive. I feel like the players would get more out of it. Again, I understand that there's some they want to go for one year. They don't they don't do school. I get it. A lot of times they literally went to that school with no intention of school. But you have to I feel like even even if that's not your intention, your intention is just basketball. You still are going to grow and get better than on that team. And you still have that extra year and no one's getting a leg up on you mm-hmm. if this is how it is across the board. And I feel like if they fix that, then it will trickle down to be able to I don't want to say fix this, but make this a little bit better and I think close some of the I don't want to say it's a loophole, but on something like what you brought up, Matt, you know, Joe Schmo, um, who's on, you know, any pick, any random team that doesn't get a lot of playing time and is, you know, trying to declare for the draft. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. No, you you can't do that, buddy. I mean, we like you and all, but no. So I think that it's gonna have to start before even this. Before this process is dealt with, I think we're going to have to look at the one-and-done rule, deal with that, and then we'll deal with this. Matt, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I pretty much agree. I mean, I think, you, like like you guys have said, it, it, you can kind of trace it, at least some links to the one-and-done, um, and that'll, that'll help uh, in a big way um, kind of with how the current system works, and it's, it just comes to a refinement at that point. Um, however, I will say I don't necessarily blame players for taking advantage of it right now while they can. I mean, like I said, I don't know that there's a whole lot to lose, so why wouldn't you? So You're right. I mean, I, I just want to point you mm-hmm. can't blame the players. I mean, you can't blame the players at all. If it's if it's open to you, yeah. you should be able to go and well, do it. But I, I guess it's I, – I'll go more to Ricky's point of mm-hmm. you're more wasting the time on the other side if you're one who's definitely like in the situation that you brought up, Matt – that there, you, we, we all know, everyone and they know that mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. But for someone like, let's say, a Luke May mm-hmm. in that other situation, who knows? Yeah. Maybe he cracks the spot where he's going to uh, uh, find himself to be drafted at some point. Mm-hmm. It's. It, it, I, I think that you certainly, I agree with you, Matt, you cannot blame the players for taking advantage of this while they are able to do so because hopefully the ones who don't end up going – We'll come back, we'll get better, and we'll find themselves in a better spot next year. Well, just my final thought is kind of, I'm thinking it's kind of a catch-22, where it's like the scout could be sitting there going, why are you wasting my time? But in that situation, like the guy who only averaged 10 minutes per game, he could sit there on the other side and go, if you didn't want me to be here, why are you having it open to me? So it's like, you can't blame him for wanting to do it, but you can't blame the scouts for saying, come on, kid, you know you're not going to be drafted why are you really doing this? But this is where I want to turn it on to you guys watching and listening. What do you guys think of the current NBA draft process about 
declaring early. Then they can go ahead and pull out after the lottery on June 11th. They can pull out. That's the date that they have to do. Let us know what you think about that. Let us know what you think about the one and done in the entire NBA process. Want to thank Matt for joining us for this one. Love all of our patrons each and every month who come on the podcast, help support the channel, help make these podcasts as the best basically that they can be. So Matt, a thank you for you. And we love having you on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks a lot guys. And yet again, special thanks to Matthew for Hopping on this week of the month. I know it's the last one of April, I believe. Nope, not the last one. Next week's the last one. I forget. I keep forgetting that next week is not May. Or actually, it is. Eh, I don't know dates. It is the last week of April. Matthew, though, thank you for having him jump on another great topic from Matthew. But, Brandon, we are going into, I feel like it's been a long time since we do- we dove into <coughs> some actual college football news, college football analysis and what we're looking at today is basically Jeremy Pruitt Pruitt the new head coach at Tennessee he's filling in for the fired Butch Jones who's no longer at Tennessee and basically Tennessee had their spring game and although some of the players look good some of the players did not and coach Pruitt had some interesting things to say after this game that personally I love it absolutely love it Here's some of the stuff that he had to say. First off, when talking about the players, he praised some and said that they did their best to compete, but then said that others flat out quit. And then he went on to say, talking about the fans, I don't know how many fans we had. What was it? Anyone know the number? He was then told that the number was 65,000, and he continued to say, to me it's kind of like our football team for the fans. The ones who were here, I'm proud of who they were. They're fired up. They're ready to get going. Then there were some people who weren't here that had legitimate reasons. They couldn't be here. And then there were people who weren't here. Why weren't they here? He said, it's kind of like our football team. I think we all need to take a look in the mirror and see who we want to be. I absolutely love this. And I know we're talking about... Can he, will he be able to turn this program around? The thing that I love about this is that he's not just calling out the players. Calling out the players is one thing. Of course, you're going to want to come in as a new coach, let a fire under their asses, get them going, make them feel like, you know what? We are not going to be complacent. There are some of you that need to whip it into shape or you're going to get going, or that's the way I'm thinking about it. But then I like how he also turned it on the fans, where it's kind of like, what's the one thing, no matter the sport, that we bitch about? Fairweather fans. Nobody likes Fairweather fans. In Chicago, for baseball, we know it all too well. Think about 2005. I know you were a little younger, Brandon, but I was in high school at the time. And the thing I remember is 2005, the White Sox win the World Series. And how many of my friends, there were a sea of Sox fans that I knew. Not many of us Cub fans were around. Then the Sox started to go on the downcline. Cubs got Theo Epstein, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. We started building the team. That that team starts going on the upcline a little bit. We win the World Series. Now, you walk around Chicago, doesn't matter, north side, south side, east side, west side, no matter where you are. You see Cubs jerseys. More Cubs jerseys 
than you do Sox jerseys. You can even go to a Sox game nowadays and see more Cubs jerseys than you see Sox jerseys. That's false. However, the point I'm getting to is we know fair weather fans. This is what I love with Jeremy Pruitt's comments. He's basically saying, if you love this team, he goes, I know there were people that had legitimate reasons and could not be here. But if you love this team, love us now when we're at our worst. Don't be jumping on the bandwagon when we're going for the SEC title and in the college football playoff. That's basically what I am reading in to Jeremy Pruitt's comments. Well, Jeremy Pruitt, as we should all know, comes from the best team in college football, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm -hmm. So he was with Alabama from 2010 to 2012. Um, and won two national championships with them. He was their defensive backs coach. So then he leaves there. He goes to Florida State. He becomes their defensive coordinator. While at Florida State, Mm -hmm. he turns their defense into something pretty. They were first in the nation in scoring defense with 10.7 points per game, third in the nation in total defense, 248.2 yards per game allowed, second in the nation in passing defense, first in the nation in interceptions, 26. And then... In 2014, goes to Georgia. He's their defensive coordinator as well. And then he ends up going back to Alabama, where, yet again, they win a national championship. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Pruitt is a winner. He knows what it's like to win. He's going to expect nothing less. He expects what it's like to be on winning teams. Alabama, Georgia, Florida State. All teams that have been competitive have been good in their respective divisions mm-hmm. and conferences. Coming, He's coming into a completely different atmosphere. He's coming into a completely different environment in Tennessee. To, into an environment where Tennessee fans are really not happy. Or were, were really not happy. So much to the point where Tennessee said, okay, we've got a guy for you. And they said, okay, we hate him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll get rid of him. Okay. Pussies. I completely forgot that happened. Pussies. Um, but I, I think that, you know, what really this is and what this does is that guys that want to be on this team and play for this team, like mm-hmm. you're talking about there, they will. Guys that don't, they'll be gone or they will not be seeing the field because. You cannot develop a winning culture. You cannot develop a winning team if you don't have the guys that want to do it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to make that clear from the beginning, which clearly he is. And I think that that's a really good thing. Truly, as, as much as I thought that the fans who had protested and this and that and the other thing, as much as I thought that was petty as all can be, I think that everything happens for a reason. And Jeremy Pruitt... A very, very, I mean, it's like a uh, a diamond in the rough here. Mm -hmm. Because Jeremy Pruitt is certainly dazzling when you look at his resume and what he's done wherever he's gone. I'm not saying he's turning this team around and making them a a, a contender for the SEC title right away. You got to set the culture, though, first. You got to set a culture. And here in Tennessee, it was really toxic. It was mm-hmm. real bad. I mean, when you got guys who are on the sidelines saying, Mm-mm, we're not we're not coming, we're transferring. Yeah. We're on our phones saying, we're transferring mm-hmm. from Tennessee. We're done. We're out of here. I believe at halftime. 
of yes, games. Yes, not good. <laughs> not good. You have a little ways to go mm-hmm. in between that and SEC title. But if anyone's going to do it, I believe Jeremy Pruitt is the guy to be able to. Because, again, when you come from a winning culture, you know what it takes. He understands what it takes, and he's going to get guys who want to be part of that. Well, and one of the things, I got some more quotes for you. And <clears throat> now that, well, first off, to get your answer, just the yes or no. You like or don't like the comments made by Pruitt? Love. Okay. So both you and I are on the same page. We love the comments made from Pruitt. However, there is one guy in the sports media world who does not, who is a very big voice in SEC country. Do you kind of have a feeling who I'm going to say? Um, you're going to say um, uh, Feinbaum. Feinbaum, or as you like to call him, Finnebaum. Finnebaum. But what he said today on, so he, it didn't say this today, he said this Monday morning on um, Wojax FM, the roundtable, WJOXFM. This is what he said. I really like what he did, and I think everyone is starting to understand how he won Philip Fulmer, Vols AD, over and how he won Nick Saban and some of the other people over the past. But what I am concerned about is when you criticize the people who actually showed up at the game. It's not a good look. He then goes on to say, I think they tried too hard in Knoxville to hype this game as something more than it was. I was in Knoxville last year, and I saw this football team. I'm not sure that I blame anyone for not wanting to go see that again. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has proved something on the field, or has, yeah, has to prove something on the field, and just trying to hype, let's have 60 or 70 or 80,000 at a game, or whatever, just wasn't going to do it. I think it was a mistake. I don't think it was a critical mistake because right now the fans are all in, but it's like you're in, it's like you're an entertainer. You're the Eagles on a Friday night and you're saying, "Man, where are the people?" Well, you're talking to the people who showed up and bought tickets. It's never a good look when you do that. I look at these comments. I get where he's coming from. Like there's a part like how he says in there that like where he goes, oh, he won him over, but then he says, oh, he's concerned because he criticized. I, I didn't see in the comments I, I read from Pruitt. He's not criticizing the people that were there. No. The point that I like from Feinbaum, though, is the I get the point of why do I want to go? Well, it's the, it's the fan of like, I'm not going to support you until you put a better product on the field because that's how I'm going to hurt you is in the money pockets. Like that's how like the fans that don't go think. However, me, because I'm when I am a fan of a team, I'm all in. I'm a fan of that team. Whether we go like for the Vikings, if we went 0 and 16 or won the Super Bowl, I'm at the same fandom level all the way at the top. Every single game. Am I depressed if they're 0 16? Probably, but I am still a fan wearing my Vikings gear cheering that team, screaming at my television set, raising the heart rate a little bit. I don't think he, like, he didn't criticize the fans who were there. He also said that, yeah, I realize there are some people that had stuff to do, legitimate reasons, couldn't be here. He was speaking to the fans that were on that side of, yeah, I don't, like, I'm not supporting this team if you're not going to be better. It was basically him saying, don't crucify me for the old regime. 
I'm here to fix shit. If you're in, you're in. It's kind of like what I hear in videos that I watch from this YouTuber called Steve Dangle. He's a Leafs fan. They're in the playoffs right now. And what he always says is he's like, I got one question for you. Are you in? That's what Pruitt was saying. He's talking to the fans going, this is a new regime. Are you in? Simple yes or no question. Well, absolutely. But I think that, you know, you also have to look at how things change. Let's take baseball, for example. You are a huge fan of the Chicago Cubs. Even when they suck. And, you know, you have Joe Madden right now. Mm -hmm. But before, when you had Lou Piniella and you weren't that good, you still wanted to go to games, you still loved the Cubs, and you supported the Cubs even though you you know, moan about them because they stunk. Yeah, that's what we do. But if we're still going and we're, you know, watching them and we're supporting them, and yes, we can say that you're not good, but you can also still continue to be a huge fan and stuff like that. I mean, that's, but that's what's being, that's what being a true fan is. If you're mm-hmm. going to go and you're going to support them and you're going to be all about them when they're not good and, then when they are good, just be even more excited and elated. That's exactly what Pruitt's saying. That's that's exactly what he's saying. And and I agree 100% with you. I don't think that he said anything wrong in terms of what he said about the fans. Because, yes, has Tennessee football been hard to watch the last couple of years? Yes, it has been. It has been tough. They have not been very competitive. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that, you know... A, a true fan, and 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 now we're talking. We're not talking just a a football fan of any conference. This is an SEC football team, an SEC country. I mean, we're talking. Church is going to the game. Yep, king of the not king, going king to church. It's going to the football game on Saturday. It's almost and, it's almost like Texas with high school football, where yeah, yes, when a baby's born, 100%. a baby's born in Knoxville, they're given a little Tennessee football. Go Vols! That's how it is in Tennessee country, especially Knoxville. Exactly, and I think that you know, for them to not be. You know, if for them to not be supporting, not be showing up, and again, sixty-five thousand is a pretty good number. Sixty thousand is a pretty mm-hmm. good number of people to 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 be there in attendance. But you know, I think that he's talking. We get down the road here, and we don't have you know fan support for what we're trying to do for us trying to be better and get better. And no, we're not going to be great right away. You know, that's that's saying something because those aren't. Those aren't the true fans then. And kind of like you said, you know, if you're not supporting supporting us at our at what may be our worst, then we don't want you. We don't want you there when, you know, we're at our best because mm-hmm. you just want to ride, you know, the the team that's real good, the team that's real hot. You just want to talk about Tennessee when they're good. You don't want to come support them when they're bad. But again, I, I think that this is a guy who this will be a really good coach for the players. And this will really get a player's mindset, especially who went through the Butch Jones days, especially towards the end when mm-hmm. things were not good, to help get their mindset right and to help get their mindset back focused on football. And it's not going to be focused on 
Who's my next coach going to be? When's this coach going to be gone? Okay, things are just toxic in this locker room. No, it's going to be focused on football again. It's going to be focused on how am I getting better in the weight room? How am I getting bigger, faster, stronger? That's where Jeremy Pruitt and his efforts are going to be. And it's not going to be in the next coach. It's not going to be in, uh, you know, all the other outside factors that seem to to come with Tennessee football the last couple of seasons. Well, and the thing that I think back to is about two years ago, I want to say, it was the, the year in football, I think it was 2016, when the Cardinals played the Packers and the Packers, I think, beat them in overtime. That was the year it was around my birthday, which would have been in January. So that spring semester, Johnny, Johnny Carlick here at MVP, actually lived down in Tennessee, right by Knoxville, um, at the end of, for that whole semester, doing an internship. And Dave and I went down to see him. And just being in that area, I I heard two things. Either I went to, like, a Walgreens or something, a convenience store, gave the change, got it back, go Vols. Wasn't even a, I wasn't even a Vols fan. Still got to go Vols. Or I heard Rocky Top. Either one of those two. Just kind of like how Alabama, it's like, roll tide, roll tide. Like, that that's how it is. And, I mean, the thing that I think of is I just look at this Tennessee team and I go, we're, all, we're, we're only at the beginning. Let's see what Pruitt does. With me, I love these comments. I have no bad things to say about them because – you want to, I know it's cliche to say it, but you want to instill a culture. Right now, you got a team where, yeah, both quarterbacks or all the quarterbacks in the spring game, I want to say, played well, but you got to make a decision there. You got to find out who's going to take over for the quarterback who just left. You also have a running back in John Kelly, who's no longer with Tennessee as well. So this is going to be something that's not going to be. We're turning over in one day, one night, and we're going to get this going. The interesting thing is with this is the SEC East is in an interesting situation because you've got Georgia at the top, but then right under them, you got Tennessee and Florida, both with brand new coaches, Florida with Dan Mullen. Florida might be in a better situation this year just because they didn't have to deal with the kind of drama that Tennessee had to deal with. But I look at this and I think that Jeremy Pruitt, he will make Tennessee a winner. I don't think this is going to be a one, two year thing. And then ah, we got to kick him out the door because we're not winning games. I think that Jeremy Pruitt's going to be the one to turn them into a winner because it's like, I know it's not the exact situation. Look at Kirby smart goes into Georgia. I know it wasn't as toxic a situation as Tennessee is, but he was able to turn Georgia into a winner, yeah, you're probably not going to make it to the national championship as early as Georgia did, but give it a few few years, maybe three at the least, and you will be fighting for college football playoff appearances, I promise you. And you you talk about Kelly having to be you know replaced there at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Defensively, there needs to be a lot of work done. But I yep. also believe that Jeremy Pruitt's the right guy to be able to do that. I mean, look at the Alabama defense. I, I mean, look at the Alabama defense. Look at what he did with the defense when he was there at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at what he did when he was with Georgia. It, you know, there were just a lot of uh, good things. Wherever he's gone, he's been successful. 
And, and he's a yes, defensive-minded guy. He is, and that's not just him. I know it's not just him. It's it's the other coaches, and it's the head coach, and it's you know also the the type of system and the guys they have for that. But mm-hmm. he's a big part of it. Tennessee had five interceptions last year. Wrap your head around that. They on defense, not on offense. On defense, because on offense it's phenomenal. On Only five. defense, they had five <laughs> interceptions. That's it. Unless this mm-hmm. is wrong, unless sportsreference.com is inaccurate, which they're not. Don't think they are wrong. You have five picks all season. Total. Total. Mm-hmm. That's bad. This is very bad. That's bad. I mean, and that's I know that's I know that's one thing, but that's not good. That is not good. And you have a long ways to go in terms of that. But I think they're better suited defensively with a guy like Pruitt. Mm-hmm. That's his specialty. That's his forte. He's probably like, give it to me. Come on, give it to me. Let, I'll, I'll change it. Another thing with Pruitt, let's see what he does in the recruiting game this yeah. season and next year because he came in so late because of what happened. Where Hey, we're going to bring in this guy. Ooh, no, we're not. We don't like him. No, I, we didn't hire him. I'm we, sorry. We didn't have I'm a press sorry. conference. I didn't well, mean to. Who are you talking about? Ricky even forgot about him. That's how long ago it's been. But <laughs> he came in so late, he didn't really get a chance to put his fingerprints and get no. in the mud, let's say, with molding a recruiting class. This will be his first one. So let's even see what he does with that. I love the comments for Jeremy Pruitt. I love what he's doing so far. I think he will be able to turn around Tennessee football. Before we kind of end the podcast, what are your final thoughts with Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee, and will he be able to turn this Vols team around? My final thoughts is, like I mentioned earlier, you know I already like him. Mm -hmm. He's an Alabama guy. Yeah, because you're an Alabama fan. Roll Tide. He is a very 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 good defensive-minded coach, Mm -hmm. and... Again, it's always helpful when the guy that you're getting is coming from winning teams and he's had a winning winning record wherever he's gone, he's had a winning track record. He's made whatever team he's with better, whatever position he's coaching better. That's what Tennessee needs right now. Jeremy Pruitt, he's your guy. So, I know this has nothing to do with what we talked about today. But I've got to say it because if you've listened to the onside kick in full format on podcast services, this segment's not going to post until Thursday on YouTube. But you want it? You, you want to know something funny? Uh, Sean and I did a sleeper segment, right? Like sleepers outside the first round. One guy I had mentioned was Antonio Callaway from Florida. Did you just hear what uh, popped up on ESPN? No. At the Combine, he tested positive for, I know some people are going to say, woo, big deal, but guess what? Guys have fallen for this in the past. Tested positive for marijuana. Teams are not going to like that. No longer no longer the sleeper that I thought he is, or is he a bigger sleeper because this will make him fall in the draft? No, the, the whole thing with Callaway is, is he had a really horrid, horrid last mm-hmm. season at Florida, all because of off-the-field stuff with drugs and things like that, and him having that, again... The sexual assault thing with the female student? Was that him? Yeah, 2015. December of 2015, he Uh, was accused of that. That ain't good either. No. But, again, it's it's, it's one of those things where 
you know, if he if he continues to to do that and have that in his system, he's not stopping. He's mm-hmm. not stopping. He's continuing to use it. And I mean, Josh Gordon. Again, said I was how long? just I was just gonna say <laughs> Josh Gordon is is a prime example mm-hmm. of a guy who's uber talented, but for a long time could not could not you know put down the bottle and stop smoking weed and doing drugs and he's now gotten clean and and this is a guy who's coming back to the league and I think you can tell he is still extremely uber talented and Antonio Callaway you hate to mm-hmm. see good talent thrown away like that because of things like that where you could seek help and and be able to to get that to get that taken care of and be able to reach your full potential and that's what these guys should be able to do and i you know i'm i'll be praying for that guy here's my issue with it is i'm not i don't have a problem that he tested positive for it my issue is you're at you're going to the combine you know they're going to test you why are you even why are you like if you, if let's say i did it which i don't but if i did <laughs> Why would I, if you were saying, hey, Ricky, you're getting tested in three weeks, I wouldn't continue to do it. I'd stop right away, make sure it was out of my system. I passed the test. All right, now I go to it. Like, that's what it shows to me. You're that stupid to fail the test when you know the test is coming. Like, you, what did you think? Oh, they're not going to test me at the combine. That's what irks me about it. And I know... Teams aren't going to think that way, but that's what I feel like. Really, no, but I you think, knew it was coming. No, I don't Why necessarily. You... I don't necessarily think that's right. I think the teams would look at that and go, "This isn't. Not, this isn't the first time that you've done it." No, they're going to look is, at he did it. Period. Not the way I'm Here's your at history. It. Here's your history of mm-hmm. all the stuff you've done. This looks like it's going to be a continuous thing. We don't necessarily know if we yeah. can have that around our team. And that's what I mean. Like teams are going to look at it that he did it. Period. Yeah. I'm looking at it to where it's like. You knew the test was coming, oh, and you continued to do it. Like, oh, how stupid are you? Yeah. But this is where you guys come in. Camera shuts off again for another segment because we're going too long. This is where we wrap things up. A little housekeeping here at the end. Number one, if you want to be like Matt, help support the channel and come on a podcast in the future, check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. MVP store is down below in the description. Go ahead and get yourself a Most Valuable Podcast t-shirt. My full seven-round mock draft is on mostvaluepodcast.com. That's where you can also catch everything for MVP each and every day. Last but not least, if you're, not, if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I'm still putting the five up at the camera. They can't yeah, see no, they me, can't I'm see still you. doing it. Um, go and give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. want to thank you guys for watching. want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.